leftovers. Or the DMV. Or house cleaning. Or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Cleveland, welcome to another episode of the 1085 Gridiron Podcast. I am your host, Anthony Jokey, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Jack McCurry of the North Coast Sports. How are you doing tonight, Jack? I'm doing great, man. How are you? Doing pretty well. Uh, you and I talked earlier on a separate podcast, but now we're here to talk Browns, and tonight we have a special guest with us, uh, Mac, don't call him Kenzie uh, Robinson. Uh, he is the <laughs> staff writer um for the Browns Wire. He also hosts a podcast, uh, The Hurry Up. Uh, for them, how are you doing tonight, Mac? I'm good. How are you guys? Uh, we're doing wonderful. As you know, it's uh, training camp has started. It's well underway. Uh, I think we've established that there's been a lot to talk about uh, in terms of the Browns, and we're going to jump right into that here. And I think the most uh, recent thing is, uh, you know, the Browns were looking at signing Des uh, Bryant. And uh, they brought him, I don't know if they officially brought him in for a visit, but I guess he was around the team for a little bit. Um, Jack, what do you think of uh, Des Bryant potentially uh, joining the Browns? Uh, I'm kind of iffy on it. You know, we all know how talented Des Bryant is. Obviously, he's one of the best wide receivers to ever put on the Dallas Cowboys uniform. But, you know, he does have some baggage. You know, last week on Twitter, he was teeing off on the Cowboys organization. Uh, Jason Witten, you know, Sean Lee, uh, Stephen Jones, Jerry Jones' son, who I think is vice president of the team, just going on a complete rant on Twitter. So we know what kind of guy Des Bryant is going back to his days at Oklahoma State, but we also know how much of a talent he is and how much he would help the Browns wide receiving core. You know, I'm indifferent on it, but, you know, with the unknown of when Josh Gordon's going to come back, I'm open to the fact that if they brought in Des Bryant, it would make the offense already better than what it is on paper. But um, I would also have my doubts just because of the type of person Des Bryant's been uh, um, on and off the field with his attitude and his character. But I would have no problem bringing him into the into the fold. Mac, do you think that Tyreek, he went on uh, a few days ago, affected his free agency status with any team at all? I mean, I think it would affect some of the teams that he's been in contact with. I don't know if it's the Browns or not, but I mean, I feel like for some people that kind of chimes into what they'd expect, kind of the reports that have always been uh, where you've had before where Des Bryant has his own staff, essentially, that's really kind of following him along and really almost kind of like the the problem child, essentially, uh, type of role that uh, people have kind of associated him with. Um, but I don't necessarily know if that would change it as much because, like I said, that's always been kind of his perception. So I don't necessarily know if it would affect it too much. But, I mean, you never know with some of these teams. Yeah, you know, it's um, – you know, those tirades probably never do – never serve a player well, uh, especially with the former team. Now, you can almost argue that it was kind of uh, – I want to say it's Dallas's fault, but you know they started bringing up the pass again, and of course Des was going to chime in and kind of defend himself. So, you know, it, it, he got cut what back in April, 
why not the Cowboys just let it go and not even mention him uh, anymore? You know, it, it probably makes too much sense to do that. But you know, the Dallas Cowboys are uh, the Dallas Cowboys in that sense. Yeah, um, I just I want to add on that. You know, the Cowboys at the wide receiver position are lacking that big time playmaker, and I think the reason that it continues to get brought up is because they let Des Bryant go without, I think, even offering a pay cut. So I think it was a complete slap in the face to Des Bryant to let him go. Yeah, he may have been a problem in their locker room, but he's been the most talented receiver they've had outside of Jason Witten, who was a tight end. But, you know, we know him as a receiving tight end. He was most Des was the most talented wide receiver they had had since Michael Irving and to just cut him without even offering a pay cut. Um, it's going to make the media and the fans bring him up consistently until the Cowboys find that next great receiver to, uh, for Dak Prescott to throw to. You uh, you kind of skipped over T.O. there. Oh, yeah, just a little bit. I, I mean, forget about T.O., and that's one of my favorite wide receivers ever. But well, It's not like he's getting inducted into the Hall of Fame this weekend or anything. Yeah. Well, I mean, he won't <laughs> even be there. So, yeah, you know. um, very true, very true. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, let's go from – a potential Browns receiver to an actual Browns receiver. That's Josh Gordon. Uh, you know, video surface of him working out in Florida. Mac, what do you take of this whole situation of Josh not being there for training camp right now, taking his time for his, for himself, but still uh, working out on his own? Um, for me, I, I'm happy with it overall, just because of the fact that for him, it's. Well, at least in my opinion, I think for for a guy like Josh Gordon, where he's dealt with anxiety, he's obviously his his mental issues that he's had has been well documented. Um, But and also with his issues with addiction as well. And for him, I think that the hard knocks environment isn't necessarily the thing that would end up being what's best for Josh Gordon. So for me, I'm thinking if you want to go ahead and work out on your own, I'm perfectly okay with that. And for me, it's just all about getting Josh Gordon right. And then when he's able to come back with a team, I'm perfectly okay with welcoming welcoming him back. So you kind of subscribe to my theory that this is totally hard knocks related, that he's trying to stay as far away from that circus and uh, whatever else. I think it. I think it's in combination with not only him trying to avoid the hard knock situation, but I also think too. I think that for him, it's also kind of getting yourself ready for. Yes, you were able to come back for the last month of the season. Okay, now you've got to do that for another four. So for him, it's almost taking it as that first month that he was back last year was almost a first step, and so for him, it's essentially also taking this time to get yourself mentally prepared to go the entire length of the season without having to need another break uh, from from the action, essentially, this year. Um, Jack, what do you think? The video that you saw, what's your, uh, you know, your overall viewpoint on that? Well, it's good to know that he's still working out and staying in football shape while he's away. You know, I know there's the theory out there about him trying to avoid the hard knocks attention and all that. But if he's going to do that, he's going to be gone the entire preseason. Hard knocks is there from the moment training camp begins until, you know, the final cut down, which is a a week before the opener. I don't think Josh Gordon can uh, afford to be away from the team that long. Yes, we all know how great he was. He stepped back on the field after being away from football for two years and and showed that he can still be one of the top receivers in the game. But he's learning a brand new offense again. I think this is his third or fourth offensive coordinator. You know, and he's getting older. I don't know if he can afford missing out on these team practices and these team drills and learning the offense and, you know, trying to stay in football shape while he's away. I think he needs to be around his teammates. And from my understanding is you can't really tell that the, the hard knocks cameras are there um, any different than any other year. I don't know if Mac can uh, chime in on this since he was at camp. Um, Mac, is there more cameras around there than usual with the uh, addition of hard knocks and NFL films being there? I mean, for me, I noticed it when I was there and you kind of saw there was almost like a conglomerate of all of them and everything. 
And also, too, you kind of see them kind of keeping an eye on where certain players were going to be. And you would constantly see if Baker Mayfield is going across the field, you'd see a group of four people rushing along along the field, trying to make sure that they had their equipment ready to go for trying to get to those players. And even, too, you would see it for Miles Garrett. And you would see it for some of these other guys that, I mean, yeah, you'd expect them to be on camera and everything like that. But for me, I'm thinking Josh Gordon, for, for all the storylines that he has coming along, this is essentially like the hard knocks gold for them that they're looking at TV wise, that it would be a huge story for them. And so I feel like they would almost give him the same type of attention that Baker would even get. And Baker gets four to five people, camera people walking around. So I feel like at least in my opinion, for me, if it were me, I would definitely be worried just about having five people over my shoulder at all times. Yeah. I I can understand that, I guess, to a degree that if, you know, there's, four or five camera people going around the high profile players. Obviously Josh Gordon is definitely one of the high profile players on this team. Then I can understand him being, uh, you know, nervous. And of course he has anxiety, you know, maybe he does, he would get anxious with all those additional cameras, but, and you know, Albert Breer was on bull and Fox yesterday. He said, and I quote, I would just be really, really careful about making any sort of assumption that he didn't mess up. Um, and I've heard rumors and, you know, about him potentially slipping up and admitting it to the NFL and they're just having him go do a treatment for a few weeks or something. So maybe that'll come to fruition. Maybe we'll find something out. But I just think if if he's being told to stay away, then I get it. But if he is ready to come back, then he should come back because he needs to be around his teammates. And I think they would help him with whatever he's going through as well. Yeah, well, and for me, I I feel like for them, I think they I think the teammates kind of understand what Josh is going through and everything. And from everything that I've heard, um, it it's not a screw up when it comes to uh, anything like drug related or anything like that. It's it's nothing like that. But for me, I I think that I think that for Josh, just if you need to take the time out, by all means, get yourself mentally right, because I think that's the one thing that teammates are understanding about that kind of thing, at least, too, because they understand that we all have our own inner demons and everything like that. But for Josh, it's kind of take as much time as you possibly need, get yourself mentally right, because then we can worry about having you and getting you integrated into the into the lineup here by the time that you're mentally right and mentally ready to come back. And, you know, the, the Browns do have – uh, some new receivers on our team and you know with Josh away it kind of helps them focus uh with some of those other uh, receivers and I, I would tend to think you know from all accounts uh it has been really beneficial to Corey Coleman I, I think that you know from all the reports that we've seen that Coleman has done very well uh so far in training camp and I think it's something that he's uh, needed to do um to, to stay on this team Mac when you were at training camp what did you see uh from Corey Coleman Coleman looked fantastic, honestly. Um, and I know that from talking to people, he he did have a bit of a struggling day on Saturday. And I know there was a tweet from Jordan Zerm that had said that he had gotten to a screaming match with Todd Haley. And the fact that with, with Coleman, he was able to rebound so well. And he honestly, he looked fantastic. His routes, uh, like his breaks were quick and they were really crisp. And the thing that I really liked for him was that he had a few like big plays right in front of me where there was one where he had an over-the-shoulder catch. I know I tweeted it out, but he had an over-the-shoulder catch right in front of me over top of TJ Carey. And there were a few times where he was really painting the sideline. And he looked like one of those guys where if he's a deep threat for this team, I think that he's going to have a fantastic year. And he can definitely be an option that people are definitely overlooking. Yeah, you know, Coleman's been... You know, obviously, we know of his struggles last season, and dropping that ball uh, against Pittsburgh in the final seconds last year, we'll we'll probably never forget that sealed the own own sixteen season. Is there? And I'll I'll ask Jack this: Is there um, how much does Corey have to do this preseason to to stay on his team with the new receivers that they did bring in? I mean, he just needs to come back every day and keep doing what he's doing the previous day, but then add something to it. He just needs to get better every single day. Obviously, we have Callaway on the squad. You know, Damian Ratley, I was reading that he flashed a little bit at camp. 
you know, and then once Josh Gordon comes back, some of those reps are going to go away from Coleman. So he used to come back every single day and just get better every single day. And I think that'll be enough for the coaches to see that, yeah, this guy is committed to wanting to be a good receiver in this league and he's going to work hard at it. My biggest takeaway from that was I think Sunday, Hugh Jackson was going to rest him and Coleman said, and because Coleman has had soft tissue injuries and, you know, Hugh just wanted to rest him to make sure he didn't aggravate up those hamstrings. Coleman said, no, I want to leftovers or the DMV or house cleaning. Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. We're prohibited by law. T plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Go out there and work. And that just tells me right there that Coleman's committed to being a better football player. And when I see that, that leaves me impressed. But I just want him to see it. I just want to see him get better every single day because he can't afford to have any slip-ups because he's got Callaway on his back right now, and we know how talented Callaway can be. And it'll be interesting to see how those two duke it out in the preseason for you know potential snaps as the third receiver in this offense once Gordon returns. You know, I think we've seen um, – I, I forget who tweeted it out, but it's kind of like a, a Browns uh, training camp bingo card. And one of the things on there was – you know, a player talks about how he changed his eating habits over the, the summer or spring. And that was something that Coleman had talked about. Uh, Jarvis Landry got got into his ear and, um, you know, had, had helped change his diet and his nutrition and everything. Mac, what do you think Jarvis Landry is going to be able to do to this wide receiver room? Because it, everything he seems to say has become infectious uh, around the team. And if he's able to take some of these younger players and mentor them and help a guy like Corey Coleman, what do you think he could you know, bring to the team, not only on the football field, but off the football field? Well, honestly, this was the biggest thing that I think the biggest difference was for this group was that you take a look at last year. And honestly, I, I would say this too, is this is the reason why I don't want Des Bryant on this team is because of the fact that you take a look at last year, you had Kenny Britt on this team and, Really, he was kind of one of those guys where it was, if you have the production, you're going to be fantastic. Like, he, he can be very good. But the issue is that in the locker room, he wasn't a great fit. And Jarvis Landry has been that veteran presence that it really has brought out the best out of between, between Corey Coleman. You've also had Rashad Higgins actually flashing really well. Um Callaway needs a little bit of work, but he he's starting to get there. And the other guy that I really like that's under the radar has been Damian Ratley, the sixth-round pick out of uh, Texas A&M. Um, those guys really have been flashing really well, and I think Jarvis Landry has been a big part of that because you see guys like Corey Coleman where at times people have talked about he might have some some of that diva-type uh, attitude that you would see out of some out of some receivers. For him, it's been coming back, making sure that he plays even harder on the next play. He gives it his all every single snap. And he's really been able to bounce back really well overall. And I think that Jarvis Landry has a huge impact for that. Yeah, you know, I, I think Landry, you know, you know, he might, you know, pop his mouth off a little bit, but I, I really think it's something that is, like I said, it's infectious to the rest of the team. And to have a, a veteran like that uh, in that wide receiving core that's been so desolate over the years for a very long time, I, I think it's something that's really going to help all these guys out. Um, you know, there's plenty of guys in that core that, you know, you have Josh, you have Corey, you have uh, Ratley, you have, um, let's see, what, Higgins is in there too. There's also that. Yeah, Jeff Janis. Jeff Janis. <laughs> there's that, um, that guy um, who seems to be connecting well with Baker Mayfield. I, I forget what his name is, uh, but, um, you know, he's been performing well from what I've seen. So, you know, Damari Scott has actually been doing really well as yeah, well. I think that, I think that's the, the guy I'm thinking of. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of young guys in, in that receiving core, uh, in that receiving room. So 
to have a guy like Landry in there checking everybody out, making sure they're all doing what they need to do, and having him as a leader of that position group, I, I think has been something that's much needed on this team for a very long time. Yeah, I definitely would agree with that for sure, especially because of the fact that you've seen a lot of times where even last year too, you saw what happened when you had a few injuries. Even Kenny Britt wasn't living up to the expectations. You didn't have Josh Gordon. Then you had Corey Coleman go down. And this wide receiver room, you ended up having Bryce Treggs out there. And Bryce Treggs really didn't have that kind of a veteran leadership too. And you ended up seeing him uh, end up getting cut because of the fact that the guy would celebrate too much after just getting a first down. Uh, what are what are some of the other observations, you know, your major key takeaways from the times you've been at camp so far? I know there's been uh, a lot that's gone on, but what are some things that have really stuck out to you so far? Well, Coleman has been the big one so far. Uh, the other one that I'll say, too, is that I feel like Tyrod isn't – and I understand you've got Baker Mayfield, and he was my QB one, don't get me wrong. I'll go ahead and preface with this, too. But the fact that you have Baker Mayfield in there as well, but Tyrod still, I like the kind of veteran leadership that he's had. And he, the biggest thing, and it's one of the, it's one of the little details that fans and everybody might not pick up on, but the fact that Tyrod Taylor goes out and he makes sure that he's talking to his teammates and he's making sure that he's kind of conversing with them, making sure that they're doing good with the offense, checking up to make sure like, Hey, did you see anything? Is there any way that you think that this can be better? Making sure that he's talking to all of his teammates. And that's been the biggest thing that has been the biggest change, really, because even last year when I was there, you didn't see it out of Brock Osweiler. You would see kind of him be kind of standing on the sideline and just waiting for his next rep. But for for Tyrod being proactive like that, I think it's huge and obvious. And I think he's really brought a great leadership quality to the quarterback position that I don't really think that we've seen in a little while here. But in addition to that, too, I like what I've seen out of Baker Mayfield. I like the accuracy components that he's been able to bring. And then the other thing, too, is that I really like Demarius Randall uh, back deep. The one thing I'll say is that he's still lining up a little bit too deep for me because uh, you still got that little bit of a gap between uh, the safeties and linebackers. But overall, I like what he's been able to bring on this defense. Yeah, you know, I think that'll always be a, a point of contention is how deep uh, Greg Williams is uh, playing those safeties. Do you, how do you think that, you know, that secondary, they, they kind of did a little reshuffling a little bit with the corners and, and bringing in Randall. How do you think Randall will fit in with these other guys? I think, honestly, I think Randall has the potential to really shine on this defense. He might not necessarily be like a multi-year Pro Bowl or anything like that, but I certainly think that he can definitely be one of those guys who can be a key player on this defense. And especially getting back to a position that he's really familiar with and free safety where he played in college, I really think that he can do very well in this position. And overall, I think that he ends up taking care of a lot of issues because of the fact that in addition to having him at free safety and finally getting a natural free safety out there, you also can bring Peppers down into that box safety role that he's really been meant to play, but was playing out of position last year. And then you end up creating more competition between him and Derek Kindred, who was a fantastic run defender. So you just create more competition in this. Um, Mac, go ahead. You mentioned that Randall was too deep back in coverage. Do you think us as fans are making a big deal out of Greg Williams lining the free safety back so deep, or should we just get used to it because that's how he's run his defense in the past and we're just not used to that? Well, here's my issue with it, is the fact that the guys that you have, I I, I would be fine with it if you had better coverage linebackers. Uh, because I think that these guys are great when you've got a guy like Michael Kendricks that you bring into, uh, but you've got Christian Kirksey, you've got Joe Schobert, and even Jamie Collins. And while these guys are athletic, their coverage skills are might not have been the best. Uh, I want to I want to put it nicely there, but um, they had some struggles when it came to last season, and that was my biggest thing was if you're going to coach this team. You have to kind of adjust to see, okay, what's working and what isn't. And when it comes to this team, I felt like 
the linebackers really they weren't showing enough drop uh enough ability and coverage to drop back and necessarily do as well in coverage and that honestly is the whole reason in my opinion why you lost that game against green bay was because of the fact that you would still line up that safety too deep and that allowed the green bay offense to kind of nickel and dime you through those first downs and get those long drives you know since we're on the focus of the defense how have the rookies looked so far? You know, Denzel Ward obviously has been a first-team corner since late in the spring. He jumped up there quickly, and I think he's looked impressive so far based on what I've seen and heard. And also Jannard Avery, who is was a fifth-round pick out of Memphis, and I've seen he's been lining up in some pass-rushing uh, drills on with the first-team defense. Yeah, the one thing I will say about Avery, I I didn't get a chance to watch him as much because he uh, wasn't in pads yesterday. And then the first day I was mainly focusing on wide receivers, quarterbacks, and a little bit of the DBs. Um, But from what I did see from Ward, I really – I liked what I saw. You could see the uh, agility that you really liked and wanted to see in some of the individual drills. And then on the outside, I kind of liked what I was able to see. The one thing that I will say is that at least seeing him in person – it looked like he was a little bit skinny, uh, but the one thing is that I definitely think that he has the frame to still add on to that. So I think that that's not necessarily a worry that I have too much, but overall I think that he's in a solid position. Did you get to watch the running backs at all while you were there? Yes, yes I Which did. Which running back has impressed you out of the trio of Duke, Carlos Hyde, and um, Nick Chubb the most? Uh, out of those three, I would say Nick Chubb. Uh, because of the fact that one, the guy, the guy is massive. Uh, the guy's a massive running back, and not only that too, he kind of showed the speed that you like to see, but he also had that kind of mauler mentality. And I'll give you one name too that's kind of been lost in it that I actually really liked what I saw from, and that was Matthew Days. Um, and I know he's going to get kind of lost in the shuffle because you already have the the big three at the running back position, but. For me, I felt like Days was patient uh, behind the offensive line. And mind you, that first day that I was there, they had J.C. Treader and uh, Kevin Zeitler sitting for the day. So the run game was uh, was difficult to run on that day. But Days was patient when it came to seeing the hole. And then when he saw the hole, he hit it quick. And he really showed the agility that I like to see. I really like him as almost just as a change of pace back uh, in this backfield. Yeah, I think oh, – sorry, Anthony. Uh, yeah, I think with Days, the one thing he's going to have to do to be able to make this team, um, because they have the big three at running back, he's going to have to impress on special teams. And I think if he can get there, especially with, as a returner, we've seen him have some flashes as a kick returner last year. If he can shine in the preseason in that aspect, I think they would have no choice to keep him or cut him and hope he slides to the practice squad because I do think Days is talented, but obviously he's going to be overshadowed by the other running backs. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. But like I said, I, I liked what I saw out of him for sure. And, I mean, for me, I just I just like him almost just as a uh, as an extra fourth just um, for, for them overall. Um, what did you think of the offensive line? Because that's obviously been you know the big topic with Joe Thomas retiring. Uh, from what you saw at the left tackle position, what's your overall opinion on what's going on there? Um, for me, I'm thinking that it, I think it's going to be Sean Coleman uh, who ends up getting the tackle spot. Um, the only thing is that he just needs to kind of uh, improve some of his uh, technique when it comes to some of the footwork and everything. But overall, I think he – I think he's going to just go through that trial by fire. Uh, the other thing I'll say too is that Austin Corbett, I know he was he was having some struggles at left tackle, and I think that he's better suited at guard. But I mean, at this point, I think that you're you're pretty much looking at Sean Coleman as your left tackle. Um, flip into the other side of the defensive line. Obviously, you have Garrett, you have Agua, but the the biggest story I think so far has been Jannard Avery. What what did you see from Avery uh, while you were at camp? Um, well, Avery, like I mentioned, Avery um, Avery was not. He didn't suit up yesterday. I believe they just gave him the day off. But uh, for for the rest of that defensive line, I think that overall, like that group, definitely impressed me. Uh, for one, I, I like the 
the kind of power that you can see out of Ogan Joby. You can see the the lower body. He's got a lot of power that he's able to generate. And not only that, too, I mean, Emmanuel Ogba, there were many plays where they they were trying to get some run they were trying to get the run game going on offense and he was absolutely having none of it and he was breaking through the line he was looking dominant out there and then obviously Miles Garrett's Miles Garrett and he even compared to his teammates the guy looks superhuman so <laughs> to have Miles Garrett out there and to see him and Ogba going at the same time honestly it's a real treat just to be able to see them both yeah you know I, I think the, the D line is, you can probably argue, is the strongest unit on, on this team. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I, I would say so. The only the only thing is, uh, I think on the interior, other than Larry Ogunjobi, the rest of the the rest of the group that you're looking at, a lot of it is a lot of role players, um, where they're going to have to kind of sort through a lot of leftovers, or. The DMV Number 97. or house cleaning or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. We're prohibited by law. T plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Those guys, but uh, you're looking at between uh, Trevin Coley, uh, who was your starter last year. You've also got uh, Caleb Brantley as well. And a few of these other guys that you've also had on the D-line. I also think that if out of those guys too, it's going to be kind of these these preseason games are going to be what ends up making or breaking those few roster spots because that's going to end up being how you have to shake it out. Yeah, you know, I, I think for once it's going to be a very interesting cut down period with the Browns because, you know, there's – you know, you have a, a extra spot at running back they might cut off. You know, you have a lot of receivers that they might cut one or two. Um, you know, the defensive line, there's a lot of guys there, linebackers. So it's going to be a very interesting cut down. And, you know, I think with um, the talent in years past, I think this year it's, it's finally a good problem to have where you might be bummed out if you cut a couple of these guys because, you know, you're finally starting to build talent up on this roster that you're going to have to make hard decisions when it comes to that final cutdown day. Yeah, definitely. And another guy, too, that I thought really had a, a good day was uh, Chris Smith coming in, the free agent signing. I, I really liked him uh, coming in as a situational pass rusher. Uh, so to have him kind of in that rotation uh, along with Garrett, I like him as well. Um, and I'm going to be going to camp tomorrow as well. So for – uh, so if I see Avery, I'm going to be keeping an eye on him to see if they put him in the D line as well. You know, Mac. You know, it's the last few days. You know, the debate about you know is the Browns are the Browns handling Baker Mayfield the right way? You know, Hugh Jackson said that Baker's exceeded expectations so far, but Tyrod Taylor is still the guy that's going to be the starting quarterback. And then this morning. If anybody hadn't listened to Ken Carmen, Aditi Kinkobala, and Anthony Lima got into a huge debate over Baker and Tyrod. Um, very heated debate. If anybody hasn't listened to it yet, go back and listen to it. It's very good radio. But do you think the Browns are handling this whole situation the right way, or do you think Baker should have a legit shot at being the starting quarterback come week one? I, I think they're handling this in the right way, honestly, because of the fact that when you want when you have your quarterback you want him to be the leader of the team and you want him to be the leader in the huddle and like i mentioned Tyrod's making sure that he goes out to every one of his teammates what do you think i'm do- am i doing this right way do you think that is there any way that are you okay with the play and kind of making sure that everybody's good overall and making sure that he's talking with everybody and Tyrod is firmly the leader on this squad and so for me i feel like if if Baker were to get the job, I feel like it it almost would be doing a disservice to your team at that point because of the fact that you're saying that, okay, well, this is your leader. All right, well, we're going to go ahead and put in the rookie because that's our number one pick. And that's the one thing that I think that as Browns fans, we need to kind of pull back a little bit, you know, let this let the man develop a little bit and 
I think in the same way that they're being patient for Baker, I think that Browns fans need to also be patient when it comes to waiting on Baker Mayfield. You know, I would say since 99, it's hardly ever worked out for the Browns that they've been able to do what they wanted to do and and sitting and resting a quarter or not say resting, but letting a guy learn uh, for their first year. It's kind of been an impossible task with, you know, with uh, Tyrod being here and uh, Drew Stanton being here, do you think that they're they're going to finally be able to accomplish that this season? I do, honestly. Um, you know, I would say it's more it's more so Tyrod, and then I would say Baker, uh, because I think Stanton is more so there to be essentially like what Josh McCown was for Johnny Manziel when he was brought in. Uh, basically being the veteran leader uh, for him to kind of show him the ropes, kind of teach him and show him what he needs to do as a quarterback. But for me, I think Tyrod Taylor, honestly, I've been saying for the past two years that the Browns should have been going after Tyrod as a, as a quarterback, because I think that when it comes to the way that he was utilized in Buffalo, I think that he wasn't necessarily utilized in the correct way. Um, and I think the talent around him overall Outside of Shady McCoy, I think that the rest of that roster really just wasn't necessarily right for him. And even when you did have a Sammy Watkins there and a Robert Woods, I think that overall you you really didn't necessarily get to see the best out of him just because of some of the some of the play calls that they would go with. But really, from what I've seen out of Tyrod so far, he looks like it's a night and day difference from what I saw last year. I'll tell you that right now, too. Are we going to get a scenario, because this happened before, the second Tyrod throws an incomplete pass or throws an interception, are you going to start to hear uh, the fans clamoring for Baker Mayfield? Yeah, and honestly, and th- this is a true story, too. So yesterday, um, or actually Sunday, it was uh, – I was standing by. I was standing as far as I could, as far as I could get, uh, by the, by the fans and everybody as the players are walking out, and uh, the first, well, not the first one out of all the players, but as the players are filtering out, you get Tyrod coming out, and he comes out and he starts to pray in the end zone, and some of the fans, like you got a few fans that were cheering like for Tyrod and everything as he's walking out. And then, obviously, the second you see Baker walk out those doors, everybody's screaming for Baker Mayfield. Everybody's screaming for Baker and getting the Baker Mayfield chance going. And really, I am I know it's not fair to Tyrod, but I'm fully expecting the fans to be clamoring for Baker. But in my opinion, I think that you got to just write, write it out with Tyrod for the season unless – you get completely out of it, and if he completely, um, if he completely just does not look good at all, then I think you go with with uh, Baker. But based on his track record, I don't expect uh, Tyrod to be going in that direction. I just hope we don't get a scenario where, uh, you know, the Derek Anderson Brady Quinn one when Anderson got hurt, you hear people cheering because that meant uh, Brady Quinn was coming back in the game. I. I I, I just hope we don't get this scenario. I, you know, it, it's it's been uh, a, a long time since we've had a QB, and the longer that they're able to uh, sit Baker, I, I think the better it's going to work out for us. Um, hopefully, they can get through the whole season. And you know, Jack and I have discussed it at length on this podcast about you know if uh, Tyrod goes out there, plays the whole season, that's the best case scenario because then at that point. You could probably uh, franchise Tyrod, trade him, get some nice value in return, and then you go into next season with Baker as your starter and a couple extra assets in the draft. Yeah, I've seen I've seen that too, and um, I mean, my only thing is that I because here here's my thinking at least when it comes to this new regime is the fact that. You, you've had some players that have been, and you even take a look at what happened with Le'Veon Bell out in uh, Pittsburgh, and while I disagree with him not re-signing for that contract, if the reports are true, but if but if you keep on franchising these, these players, then you're going to start to look at some of the way that some of these players are talking and everything like that. And so for me, I don't necessarily know if I would go down the franchise route, just because if I'm the Browns, I'm basically taking it as, Look, Tyrod, we thank you for your services. Un- 
And unless Tyrod has a fantastic season, and if you go to the playoffs with like an 11 and five record or like 12 and four, then I think that you, you might keep him around for another year, maybe two. But other than that, I think that you, you basically have Tyrod where you're looking at it like, yeah, you know what? I know what this is going to be. Um, is there anything else uh, from training camp that, that stuck out to you that really caught your eye at all? Um, I mean, overall, uh, I really like, like I mentioned, Corey Coleman. I think that he's he's got a lot, uh, a lot of potential that he definitely can still reach. And I, you know, what? I'll give you guys a little bit of bulletin board material here. I think that I think that Coleman, with the vibe that that I know myself and a few of the guys that I was talking to yesterday. He was kind of giving off a little bit of that uh, Deshaun Jackson type vibe, where you had some of those quick cuts. You could see the speed that he had, and really, if he's able to get down the field, he's going to make a big play. Yeah, you know that that'd be absolutely great if you know somehow uh, he could turn into that kind of player. You know, I, I think he has the potential with the speed. It's just a, a matter of him putting it all together mentally, and I, I think. You know, and we talked about Landry a little bit. I, I think if he could somehow put it all together mentally, um, you know, he'll finally turn into that first round pick that we thought he would be. Yeah, and he definitely flashed it. I can tell you that for sure. <laughs> you know, on I think it was Saturday, Jimmy and D Haslam addressed the media for the first time during training camp and you know, they told reporters that this season, it, it seems like it sounded like from their aspect that they're pretty much giving Hugh Jackson the reset button after the first two seasons, and that we're going to see the real Jimmy Haslam for the first time, or not the real Jimmy, the real Hugh Jackson <laughs> for the first time this season. <laughs> uh, and we all talked about Anthony's gaffes, and I'm making gaffes. Hey, don't worry, this episode. don't worry about I, I it, man. You're good. You're so good. Jack but, is one. I'm zero. Hey. <laughs> Hey, knock on wood, man. Knock on wood. Let's let's hope for no no gaps today. <laughs> but the Haslam said that we're going to see the real Hugh Jackson this season. Uh, guys, don't you think we've already seen the real Hugh Jackson for these f- first two seasons in Cleveland? And you know, I'm willing to give him another chance. You know, if it doesn't work out, obviously after, after this season, he's definitely going to be gone. But do you think? the Haslam's having such an infatuation with Hugh that they're willing to give him extra chances. Like they just, you know, do you think they're making him into something he's really not? Anthony, I'll let you take this one first before oh, I go. No, in. That's, that's fine. <laughs> uh, I, you know, maybe we've seen the, the real Hugh already. Um, you know, I think it might be, it's obviously going to be different with them bringing in Todd Haley to call plays and controlling the offense and everything. So, you know, if we still have the time management issues and, um, you know, the, the quarterback uh, hot potato game going on, you know, then, then I think it's really time to uh, cut the cord. But, you know, if he could sure all that up with not focusing on the, the play calling at all and if he truly gives up the play calling – um, then that's I think it'll be fine. You know, it's the the play calling last year and all those other issues on top of it really are what drained me uh, on Hugh Jackson. So if he's able to, uh, obviously he's he said he's relinquishing the play calling to Todd Haley. So if that really happens and he can sure up the clock management stuff and. Uh, the quarterback situation and, and all that other stuff. I, I think that I could definitely uh, keep an open mind on you, but I guess we'll uh, we'll find out. I mean, for me, I think that I, at first when we first brought in Hugh, I, I was obviously I was happy with the hire. He obviously he did a lot of good things with uh, Cincinnati and Oakland, but I think over time I. I'm really worried overall with Hugh just because of the fact that so far he hasn't given me anything to trust uh, to go on anything that he said. I mean, even last year going on about saying that you're going to have a commitment to the run game. And what do you do? You end up having a game against Chicago where in the second half you run the ball five times in the middle of December. And 
I think that overall, the fact that not only that too, but even after Sashi Brown was fired, the fact that you had Hugh go ahead, chime in and basically say, throwing his players under the bus, where he's going ahead and saying that, yeah, I mean, look at the players that I've been given. And you're throwing all of those players that you've got under on your team that you're supposed to be the leader of, you're throwing them under the bus. So for me, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm going to be hopeful that he can turn it around, but I'm also not confident in that just because of the fact that he was shown time and time again, especially because of the fact that this is the off season and we've, we've heard him be positive and everything like that before, but it only took him four weeks last year in order to start worrying about Deshaun Kaiser being in a quarterback and then having him bench him against the Jets. So for me, I'm, I'm worried overall when it comes to Hugh as a whole. And uh, to be honest, I, I'm, I'm honestly thinking that it honestly worries me that Hugh has such a long leash, at least according to Jimmy Haslam. You so know, far. it's been a, a very long leash. And, you know, I think that's something that needs to get really short. And maybe it'll be different with, with Dorsey uh, in here. You know, I, I think Todd Haley is kind of the head coach in waiting if, you know, things go real south really quickly this season or if you don't see any improvement through the first half, uh, you know, through the bye week or, or, and such. So I, I think that leash is actually really short and it really needs to be because, you know, they, they've, you know, they tore this thing down to almost six feet under and, and they've been slowly building it back up. And, you know, they're not going to let Hugh, uh, you know, sit there being a head coach and halt any kind of progress that this team uh, has made in terms of gathering personnel. So it's going to be a very interesting uh, first half of the season, I would think. Yeah, and for me too, even, the fact that you look at last year, I think there was at least two games that you could have won last year between the Jets game where there was a decline penalty that he had that would have taken the Jets out of field goal range and for whatever reason he declined the penalty and they end up getting the field goal, and then you bench Deshaun Kaiser, even though it's less than a touch, it's less than a one-score game. And in addition to that, you had the Tennessee Titans game where you lost Joe Thomas for the year, and you weren't able to get you weren't able to get anything uh, going on offense. So for me, I thought that there were at least a more there were more than a few games that he could have won, but for whatever reason, they were just letting him go and letting him go with this huge long leash. Uh, you know, before we get into the mailbag, uh, we're going to talk about something that's out, away from the Browns, but it's kind of tied in with the Browns because he was almost our quarterback. Uh, San Francisco 49ers quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo has been in the headlines, not for what he's doing on the field, but what he might have been doing off the field. Uh, he uh, was out on a date, I think it was about a week or two ago, with a, an adult film star, Kiara Mia. Uh Guys, if he was on the Browns, how big of a story would this have been if he was uh, out seen with an adult film star? Oh, this would have been eaten up. I mean, you saw the kind of stuff that Johnny Manziel would get when he was here. I mean, if you had Jimmy Garoppolo, especially with given the comments too about how he thought he was better than Tom Brady, like you would have you would have all of the older media chiming in. Uh, saying, talking about how, like, oh, think about like the kids and everything like that that you've got on this, t- that you've got around Northeast Ohio. You're supposed to, you're, you're the leader of such a historic franchise and all of this stuff. I could totally see all these, all, uh, some of these Browns fans and some of the people in the media just absolutely eating this up. Anthony, what's your thoughts on all this about Garoppolo and what he's been doing? Yeah, you, yeah, absolutely. You know, the, you know, we, we've had, um, you know, countless stories with Johnny and, um, you know, some of those, uh, Josh Gordon and all that other stuff. I, this would have been, I don't know if you could shed this in the same light as some of that negative stuff with Johnny and anything, but this would have been one of those all time things with, you know, with the Browns. Cause it, it's just to have that going on, the, the, the media and, and especially some of the older media, they would have been like, Max said they would have been all over this and they just would would not let it go. There'd be five hours on 
92.3 The Fan or ESPN Cleveland dedicated to just talking about this one thing, if not more than that. So it would have been all eaten up by the entire media. But thankfully, that was not here. and It was in San Francisco. I mean, imagine, you know, we all know Tim Couch is married to a former Playmate of the Year. Just imagine if TMZ would have been around and if the media would have made such a big deal when he was when he married her in 05. So I'd imagine they were together when he was here in Cleveland. Just imagine what the media would have done to Tim during that point. I I almost wish that that was there just because, like, it, it's one of those things where you kind of go through and you have some of those Twitter moments that you kind of – that you or those moments that you wish that you had Twitter for where I think I saw some people saying that, yeah, I wish, like, the Twitter rounds for, like, the moon landing and all of these things and even, like, some of the different scandals that were going around and – for me, I feel like some of those types of stories like always make the top-notch stories between that and even kind of getting away from NFL too, like even uh, with NBA where you had some of like the tracking planes and then you've had the whole Brian Colangelo stuff in Philadelphia. It like Some of those like Twitter moments, like those are some of the stuff that I, that I personally love on Twitter. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that kind of stuff is what Twitter is made for. You know, like today with the MLB trade deadline, just the, the constant back and forth and all the updating and all that kind of stuff. It's, uh, uh, you know, that's why Twitter is a – that's the good aspect of Twitter. The negativity on it is, um, you know, can get real real uh, tiresome at times. Yeah. But, you know, when you – when you get the good stuff on, on Twitter, it, it's actually really enjoyable. Yeah, th- I can't believe um, it's still free. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. How how is this app free? You know, whatever. Um, let's jump into the mailbag, and, and Mac, I'll direct the first question to you. Um, it's from our buddy Angelo, who sends in a question every time uh, that we ask for him. So we always appreciate Angelo. Uh, he asked, "Is the media and Hugh Jackson hyping up Baker Mayfield too much so soon?" I don't think so, honestly. I think the one thing that I'll say about Baker is that the accuracy and the zip on the ball, those came as advertised. Uh, he, he's looked he's looked the bill so far, but the only thing is that there's been a couple of times where he might hold on to the ball a little bit long or he might not necessarily get the protection that he wants. But really, I feel like he's come as advertised. I wouldn't say that they're overhyping him, but I feel like, too, they – they're still on the right path with making sure that he has as much time as he possibly needs uh, developing as a quarterback. Um, our second question is from um, Brown's mock draft or otherwise known as Stephen <laughs> Collins. I'm sure you know Oh yeah. Good is. buddy of mine. Uh, uh, he asked, um, and this is a, a long multiple layered question. <laughs> Uh, he asked, what did you see from the DBs the days you're at camp? Same question from the offensive line. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Why did they make Major League 3? And same question for Rocky 5. Um, so, okay. So let's go ahead and break this down question by question. So w- first one, uh, what I saw from the DBs. I mentioned it earlier, but I like the kind of fluidity that I was able to see out of uh, Demarius Randall as well as uh, Denzel Ward. Uh, some of the cornerbacks, I know TJ Carey's had a little bit of a rough time, but when you're going up against Corey Coleman and Jarvis Landry, yeah, I think you're gonna have a, you're gonna have some issues. But I think that overall, the DB group is pretty solid. Uh, I feel like if you get one more solid starter, I would feel like on the outside, I think that makes this group so much better. But I like the group overall. Uh, the offensive line. I think that they're they're solid when it comes to the interior. Uh, Joel Batonio is a mammoth of a man, uh, and seeing him block has been fantastic. Um, but I do think that Sean Coleman ends up being the starter there. Uh, J.C. Treader looked like he added a little bit of a little bit of weight uh, this off season, but he he was looking pretty solid in there as well. Um, Chris Hubbard, I, I like the new right tackle that they signed from Pittsburgh. I think he's he's it's going to be a little bit, a little bit of an adjustment for him, uh, just because the arms are a little bit uh, shorter. So he's going to be going up against Carlos Dunlap, uh, Stefan Tuitt, and some of those guys as well. So it's going to be a little bit of an adjustment for him. Um, but I also like Corbett kind of as the, like that swing offensive lineman where you have him kind of bouncing between maybe guard or center if you need him to. 
uh, but I'm not necessarily a fan of Corbett as a, as a tackle. Um, and then we move on to some of the fun ones. So hot dog as a sandwich, I would say no, uh, because I feel like hot dog deserves its own category, really. Um, cause it's not, I'm not going to say it's a sandwich just because I feel like the sandwich, you got to go with the traditional, like two pieces of bread or, you know what I mean? So, um, or even a sub really, but I, I wouldn't call a hot dog a sandwich. And then reasons for making uh major league three, I'm going to be honest. I, I, I have no idea for major league three and then Rocky five. I feel like they were just trying to get out like a couple more of those inspirational quotes you know, because you always every time I don't know about you guys, but for me, every time I go to a Cavs game, I always end up hearing the <laughs> the quote from uh, Rocky talking to his son uh, from Rocky five. So for me, I feel like that's the main reason why you had Rocky five, really, is that so you can just, you know, kind of cash on on a few more of those inspirational quotes that you always get from a Rocky film. You know, it would have been absolutely perfect if it ended after um was it Rocky? Rocky Four was Drago. Right? Yeah. So if they ended after that one and then they jumped into the first one with Creed, because that first Creed movie was really good, I can't wait to see um, the second one that comes out. Yeah, I'm pumped for that one too. And then um, our last question is from uh, Jared of uh, the OVR, <laughs> and I think you know us. Oh name. man, here we go. Uh, <laughs> have you earned a name Mac yet, or are you still Kenzie? Okay. All right. So, um, I mean, I like to think that, I, I mean, I call my, I, I'm based on what everybody talks to me about. I'm, I always go by Mac, but, uh, full disclosure, my full name is Mackenzie. Um, but for the, the little bit of backstory is that there is supposed to be a, uh, a whole meetup that I was supposed to do with one of our, um, with one of our colleagues, uh, Dominic Verdell on Twitter. And, I was supposed to go to a whole, like, I, I think it was like a dinner or something like that, uh, like a Cavs dinner or something, or maybe it was Browns. I, I'm not really sure, but I was supposed to go with him, but I couldn't make it, and I had to let him know last second, and I and I told him that I wasn't able to go, and so then uh, ever since then, they've been just rolling with calling me only Kenzie uh, ever since then, so the running joke has just been the, have I earned my name back? Uh, so, um, yeah, that's, that's the whole thing behind that. Love Jared, but, uh, I mean, he, as he called himself on the Lockdown Browns podcast when it was his before, but, uh, as he called himself on there, the, uh, he's the rabbi from, uh, Seinfeld. So just never forget that. <laughs> so what, what are we, what are we going to have to do to help you earn your name back? Is there anything that we could do over here to help you? You know, I, I, I'm going to be honest. I'm not even really sure. Uh, because every time I, every time I have something that happens or whatever, I, I almost have jokingly, will send it over to those guys and just say like, Hey, did I, did I earn my name back? And, um, every time it's always, uh, uh, well now nah, you're still Kenzie. So <laughs> I, even I, at this point, I'm not even really sure. I guess hopefully uh, someday. Hopefully it's not when the Browns win the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. you, could, you could be waiting a while. I don't um, know, man. I don't know. You never know with some of these guys. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. Um, uh, as we get on ahead of you, you want to go ahead and plug everything you're over, you're doing over at the Browns Wire and with your uh, podcast as well. Uh, yeah. So I'm I'm going to be at training camp. Uh, I'm going to be at training camp this Saturday, August 4th. If you guys go ahead and see me, come up and say hi. Um, I'm also staff writer for Browns Wire, so you guys can always find my stuff on there as well as, and I'll tweet that stuff out on my personal account at Mac Robinson CLE. Uh, but also, I'm the newly, I'm the new host of the Browns Wire podcast, The Hurry Up, uh, and you guys can follow us on there. We're on Audio Boom. I'm working on trying to get us on a couple other sites as well, but we just had our first episode uh, put up there. So you guys can go ahead and take a listen on there. That's up on my uh, Twitter account as well, as well as on the website. Um, so you guys can go ahead and check me out on there. And yeah, I mean, you guys can check me out on Twitter. That's that's where it's most easily accessible for me is at Mac Robinson CLE on Twitter. Awesome. And, you know, I would encourage you guys to go check out that podcast as well. Um, 
you know, Mac does a great job with, you know, his reporting and everything that he does on the Browns. So I, I really encourage you to read his stuff and also listen to his stuff as well. Uh, Jack, plug everything you're up to. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at jmccurrycle. You could check out my website, thenorthcoastsports.com, for everything Cleveland sports, and also check out the podcast that I, um, I, myself and Anthony co-host, the North Coast Sportscast. Just posted a new episode uh, Wednesday evening, recapping the trade deadline for the Indians, as well as talking some uh, Kevin Love extension, and of course the punch heard around the NBA world between Tristan and Draymond Green. So. Go give that a listen on all podcast platforms. Um, Jack, it's Tuesday night, not Wednesday night. You know, I'm done. You got, <laughs> have a good night. <laughs> oh, boy. You know, it's always the other way around, so I'm really relishing uh, tonight on this podcast. Uh, Mac, I, I really appreciate you coming on, and hopefully uh, we'll get you back on here soon, all right? Yeah, man, absolutely. Thank you guys for having me on. It's been a blast. Awesome. And as always, uh, you can follow me on Twitter uh, at Anthony Jokey, Jokey I. Uh, you can follow the podcast on Twitter as well at 25 Gridiron. Uh, you can find it on Facebook uh, the same way. Um, you can listen to our podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, and the Overcast app. I made it through an entire podcast without forgetting anything. This is awesome. Um, <laughs> so, you know, we're get on, we'll get on out of here. Uh, I would imagine we'll be back at some point next week. Um, I'm working on a couple guests that I, I think uh, you guys will all uh, appreciate on who we potentially have lined up uh, next week. Um, you know, as we get out of here, I'll leave you with this, as I always do at the end of the podcast, and that is Go Browns. Leftovers or the DMV or house cleaning. Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. T plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.